You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me in studio is my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Good to be here. And on the phone, we have Jay Anglin. Jay, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, just living the dream up here in Indiana. I bet, I bet. Now, one thing that we've done throughout the course of the season, we've brought Jay on several times just to kind of provide a habitat and hunting report for the Great Lakes. And the reason why we do this is Jay contributes to our migration alert program where he is constantly calling waterfowl managers, refuge managers, state agency biologists, DU biologists, and, and talking habitat and hunting conditions throughout the season. So it came up when we're doing the season in review show to have a Great Lakes. And I thought, who better than Jay Anglin, who spends the entire duck season, one, chasing ducks around the around the region, and also, you know, making these phone calls and writing these reports. So we'll go ahead and kick that off right here, Jay, and just kind of, you know, the early part of the season all the way through to the end. And I'm sure it's going to be different because, you know, you've got early September in Minnesota, but in Indiana, the season runs until January 31st. You know, it's one of those deals where it's a vast area, um, but kind of just real quick provide just a little update on how kind of you saw the season playing out as you were working these reports and calling around throughout the regions. You know, this, this, the, 
the climatological you know changes uh you know over the last you know couple of decades are really kind of stood out this year and continue to actually um it's like these big haymaker weather systems are required to push birds and you know, your big, huge haymaker swings where it's just wham and stuff moves down the flyway. And in between, you have these long droughts of just inactivity, you know, kind of uh, flat weather. You know, it's just kind of mundane for water from, from a waterfowl hunter's perspective. You know, if you're a duck, it's great because you don't have to stress out. You can chill out on the marsh and not have to worry about eating all that much. But that's really sort of been the theme in the Great Lakes region. So, you know, we get our early push of birds, of course, you know, the, the calendar ducks, you know, uh, come through pretty consistently, you know, but with the dry conditions we've had, that was a huge factor this year everywhere because a lot of marshes weren't really in play. And so that requires the birds to find big water. But being as the weather was relatively mild, uh, most of the time anyway, you had a lot of fishing pressure. And so, you know, if you talk to the guides on Lake St. Clair, one of the things they'll talk about is how the, the birds stack up pretty early you know, we're talking divers here predominantly, but, you know, all the fishing pressure, of course, it's one of the greatest fishing bodies of water in the world. Uh, it just continues on right through the season. And so birds become extremely leery. They go out in the middle of the lake and find places where there's not a lot of fishing pressure. So that's also impacting inland lakes. And and throughout the season, that theme of, wow, we got a bunch of birds in, new birds, and then it's good for a day or two. And then all of a sudden it's like, where'd they go? And in my opinion, and through a lot of conversations and observation, I don't think a lot of them really went anywhere. They're just, they just weren't doing anything most of the time, you know, because we don't have those, those consistent big cold fronts with, uh, you know, a little snow or a little precipitation and wind associated with them that makes these birds move around. Uh, it's really nice weather. It's great weather to take a walk and go for, you know, a, a bike ride, but not so much to go out and, and expect ducks to come to your decoys. So that started out in September. Uh, and really all the way through to the bitter end, with the exception of those big weather events we had, those Arctic blasts that were, you know, exceptional any on in, 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 during any year really would have been remarkably, you know, uh, when you drop 50, 60, 70 degrees sometimes over the course of like 24, 48 hours and huge winds, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile per hour, north, northwest, westerly winds pushing birds down the flyway huge jumps you know we're talking you know five six hundred mile migrations or more and birds go from one place to the next and so that that really is the theme of this season and it's continued on right through our dark season uh dark goose season that ended here a few days ago and now we look at we're looking at snow goose season which you know the conservation order season there's tons and tons of of uh light geese moving north today northern illinois is loaded with light geese so you know it, it continues I guess I have a follow-up there. It was interesting that you, the way you described, I guess, the weather and how it seems to be playing out nowadays. And 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 I saw that also when I'm writing this report, the season review report. We've got the monthly graphic showing departures from normal for precipitation and temperature and so forth. And the temperature one is pretty interesting because you can look at some of these months and it may be, maybe November or December, I forget which month it is, maybe it's November, that nationwide, it was about average, if not a couple of degrees above average, you know, for all across the board. But within that month, there are, as you described, these really significant weather systems that come through. 
and we expect those to move birds, and they do, but it sounds like what you're saying is that what we've seen here recently is those systems don't have staying power in terms of the effect on the birds, with obviously some notable exceptions, but is that, am I kind of reading correctly what you're describing? Is that is that a consistent sort of change for, for that area? Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times you have waterfowl that are staged and primed uh, for a host of different reasons, as you know, in terms of biology, they're ready to go. You know, they're at the starting block and they're ready to go. And something happens and boom, they go, just like we expect them to, like they should, like they're supposed to. But then you have other birds that are sort of uh, maybe lagging a little bit. Maybe they stayed a little further north than they should have, frankly. And I think it almost becomes a fight or flight situation where um, you know, am I going to fight this system or am I going to fly? And of course, they're not thinking that. It's just instinct. And I think a lot of birds are hanging up. And, you know, you heard guys talk about, well, there's still tons of birds up there, up, you know, up, you know, in Manitoba for us, you know, or, or say Ontario or, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the UP of Michigan. And those birds are there. But here's the thing. They're there because they can't, you know, they can survive in two or three days of really inclement weather and, and still come out the backside of that and be pretty doggone good to go when it comes to, you know, food, cover, you know, as far as your refuge, I should say. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's true. It, it's absolutely true. But I also think the birds that do come down, um, it's like they went to, they flew to Florida. They go to the beach, you know, it's like, wow, look at this. It's 62 degrees and sunny and I don't have to do anything. How cool is this? So I, I think um, I, I, it's just a common theme. And the bottom line is if you're a waterfowl hunter, you have to capitalize on these big moments and maybe they won't happen every season and maybe they will. And that goes for every season going back to the beginning of duck hunting. But I think now it's that much more critical for people that expect some success is to figure out a way in their life to get out there when they should. Because if you just kind of go through the motions and go out there, you can't really complain about poor results because the fact is, is there's just really, you're not going to see a lot of movement from waterfowl. That's my take on it. Jay, I mentioned that to somebody else, uh, something similar to that in a previous conversation that I don't recall who it was, but I think I think it makes when when hunters do that, I think it makes them it makes them better hunters when they can learn how that system is functioning, how those birds are responding in their particular area and then as you said, concentrate if your their effort on those days and those places. I mean, it it just does. It makes you a better hunter and you understand that system and will prepare you to, um, to I guess, increasingly get smarter and figure out what those birds are doing. So that's pretty cool that you, that that would be the, the take home for you when talking to a lot of hunters. I, I, I did have another question for you, Jay, and it, it goes back a little bit. You mentioned teal season, but I wanted to get your idea your thoughts on something that I heard from um, from one of these traditionally very well-managed um, duck clubs from around Lake Erie, they really struggled during the teal season. And they contacted me and I contacted a few people to kind of get a feel for the pulse, the migration, the teal migration, figure out what was going on. I know there were some late late hatch birds thinking maybe that the blue wings were hung up in, in Canada for whatever reason, uh, late hatch warm weather, et cetera. Did you hear a lot of similar reports of just of struggle of people, otherwise clubs and managed areas that normally do very well, predictably very well in teal season that struggled this year? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, going back forever ago, you know, when 
when I was young, I think the first duck season I ever took part in was actually teal season. And I, you know, where I live here in Northwest Indiana, the teal migration is typically fairly profound as birds move down either coast of Lake Michigan. And usually instead of, you know, people say, oh, there's a bunch of teal in X marsh. And I'm like, great, but I really want to go out and hunt the migration because it's usually so consistent here. And it has been poultry compared to normal here. Um, now, does that mean they don't come through here? Absolutely not. It's just they're moving through so quickly and more than likely prior to our opener. Um, as far as Lake Erie, Lake St. Clair, uh, some of these other hot spots, if you will, uh, where they have managed, you know, moist soil units and and obviously a huge draw, huge, huge bodies of water that naturally draw waterfowl. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that at this general latitude, most of the first big waves got past us pretty quick. And, you know, I, I don't recall, I, I could go back and look, but I don't recall, but I do believe there was some really great nights in the 50s with some steady, you know, northwest winds, you know, that were like in that 10 to 15 range, nothing crazy. And I think the teal just rode. And um, I remember one in particular where guys were talking down in Louisiana, Texas, and much further south had picked up a bunch of birds. And I believe those birds are probably some of the birds we usually get around the opener here. Of course, they get birds down there in August and September, like any time, but any season. But definitely, we were kind of stuck in the middle. And then the birds that stayed back, like I talked about before, you know, that fight or flight, am I going to stay and fight this or not? And I think a lot of those teal, in particular, the blue wings, stayed further north than normal. And then by the time they came through, and, and certainly here in Indiana, our season was was over for teal. And our teal, early teal season was over. So, um, it, it, it I don't think it was a lack of teal for sure. I think it was more or less just a luck of the draw, really. Jay, just to kind of, you know, reference some of the higher visibility areas for waterfowl hunters, you've got like the upper Mississippi National Wildlife Refuge there um, that is very well known. We've, we've had you on here talking about, you know, big canvas back flocks and, and other species of, of note there as well. Um, but then also, you know, the Illinois River and then maybe, you know, that Lake Erie Marsh right there. Some of the... Wisconsin up along Lake Michigan, um, some of the larger areas where you, you see, you know, hear a lot of chatter. Uh, what was one kind of standout that you had in the region where you heard like a lot of positive reports coming out of? Well, Lake St. Clair um, for divers this year was, and and really Lake Huron slash Saginaw. I didn't hear as much out of Saginaw, but those guys tend to be a little more tight-lipped. But certainly the sea duck hunting on Lake Huron was as good as anything ever in the history of sea duck hunting. And, um, and then, and then here we are, you know, it's Michigan, Ontario. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the Easter, Western, you know, the, the coast here. We're talking about the Great Lakes. Um, but Lake St. Clair picked up an incredible number of redheads early, very early and maintained those birds. And they've, there's, I don't, I don't know how many are on St. Clair now. I haven't spoken with anybody recently, but I can assure you if people knew how many redheads were on Lake St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, and even up in the Straits of Mackinac still because of that lack of ice Mike mentioned uh, or, or one of you did. That would be a standout for me is the fact that, you know, so many, the variety of diver ducks that hung around the Great Lakes um, where we expect to see a lot of divers, but this year it was just ridiculous. And it just, it seems like it just builds more and more every year. As far as like the Mississippi, the most reports out of the Mississippi were, I heard a lot of complaints about crowding. There was tons of people hunting, tons of people hunting. Birds are, leaving. So that could be, you know, frankly, that could be hunting pressure related, like where birds were getting chased out of there. Because if you follow the Illinois surveys, 
there were some of the pools in Iowa and Illinois that were absolutely stacked with canvasbacks and for quite a long time. You know, to see 10 or 15,000 cans on the Mississippi is nothing to write home about. When you start seeing 30, 40,000 in a given pool in one flock, <laughs> you know, um, that's when you start paying attention. And they had that a lot. And so those, those things stood out. Lake Erie, I heard some good hunting, some good stories over there. I think they were probably not as consistent this year as they are most years. And I don't know what that's about. I know they had some good puddler hunting, you know, of course, uh, at certain times in those managed areas. The diver hunting on, on the Western Basin is always outstanding. They had some great bluebell hunting and, and you know, I've heard some good, some good um, reports there too. But yeah, those places are always going to chug along. I guess if I had to pick an area that wasn't very good too, actually, the St. Mary's um, River Corridor in the Eastern Upper Peninsula was a little weak this year. And interestingly, that sort of Northwest Lake Michigan area, north of Green Bay, Washington Island, which of course that corridor sort of cuts across into Northwest Michigan. Uh, so some of the guys that were hunting around Traverse City and some of those inland lakes along there that really have consistent migration, they struggled this year too, which if you go back to Lake St. Clair and talk about the hundreds of thousands of redheads that showed up early, I, I suspect a lot of the birds that come through there came all at once and just piled right into St. Clair and, and Erie. So, you know, there's usually cause and effect and you can read between the lines. And if you're like me and talk to a lot of people, it's not very difficult to see, you know, why it happened. It's just frustrating for people who spend so much time out there and expect better results, you know. Hey, Jay, I got a question for you on those redheads. I saw those posts on social media about this just amazing number of, of redheads on on some of those uh, those bodies of water up there. And what was, what was the one up there around the UP? Is that Mackinac? Is that, is that what that was? Saginaw. Yeah, the Saginaw. The Straits of Mackinac, correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Straits, of, Straits of Mackinac. What are those birds eating? What are the redheads eating there? That's a really great question. Um, some of the bays uh, in the shallow, and I've hunted that pretty extensively, you know, and you can wade even a lot of that shoreline. It's it's really shallow, but it's kind of rocky in some areas. But some of the bays will have, of course, some celery and some other, you know, succulent, uh, you know, aquatic vegetation available. But of course, when you have 10,000 redheads pile into a little bay, they're going to mow through it pretty quick. Um, I think most of the birds in the streets are probably eating um, zebra and quagga mussels. That's probably their primary forage. And I'm, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a good guess on my part, but I can't imagine there's a whole heck of a lot else they could be eating. Yeah, that's interesting. It just occurred to me because the portion of that, that body of water where at least I thought the birds were was, I think, pretty deep. You know, and and so yeah, I know redheads are predominantly vegetarians eating that submerged aquatic like shoalgrass beds and, and shoalgrass rhizomes and so forth down on the Texas coast. But and of course, the, I know they eat some of the other submerged aquatics. But I was just curious about that, and so I was also a get I, I guess a bit all frustrated, disappointed in myself, and this being the year that I chose not to make a trip to Lake Saint Clair. I have I a good buddy. You went up there early, didn't you? Um, was that no, last not year? this year. That was last year. Oh, I did man. not get up there this year. <laughs> Typically, I tried to get up there with a good buddy of mine. Um, he has a place out there on Harson's Island, but did not uh, didn't get there this year. And, and I haven't really checked in with him to see how he did on any of his hunting. I know it was it was he struggled early, but I don't know how he did as the season went on. Jay, did you get up to Harson's this year? Yeah, I did. I you know I've got multiple buddies on Harson's. I built that in and could drink college, and I hold on to that deer as most things I have <laughs> when it comes to waterfowl hunting because it's pretty handy and they're good dudes. But uh, we, you know, the kind of the drill, you got to make a decision. Do you go to the draw and go hunt flooded corner? Do you go to the bay? Because if you're trying to do both, you usually end up being one of the last guys in line. But 
Bottom line is uh, the, the the managed units at uh, St. Clair Flats, Harsons Island were really productive uh, a lot of the time. Outstanding hunting, you know, mallards, black, pintails, you know, a ton of wood ducks this year. They banded on, on a huge number of woodies there. And I talked about everybody I know, you know, harvested a couple of wood ducks with the lake man. That was kind of cool. But, um, you know, the the lake itself was just absolutely covered with ducks. And again, back, I mean, there was people... You're just rubbing it in. On, at the, you're just rubbing it in at this I point. Know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, my, my, one, my one buddy started musky fishing and he hardly duck hunts that much anymore. And he just talks about driving through five mile long rafts of redheads and 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 he said it's just jay he sent me videos and it's I, it's hard to even imagine that many ducks can can be there but more importantly can sustain themselves and they do it's just remarkable but um yeah i mean i know back to the zebra mussel quagga mussel thing i know some of the lake st clair waterfowl were inventoried or, or, or surveyed years ago and they did find that cans and redheads were feeding on them to some degree. Of course, we know that the the, the bluebills do, but um, it'd be something to look into. And then maybe it's out there, maybe it isn't. I haven't looked into it. But again, back to that, that, that it's interesting that if they are eating those mussels, you know, that's going to open up a heck of a lot of, of, of water for them to mineral on if it doesn't freeze, because there is plenty of those mussels out there. I can tell you that. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Jay, moving away from Lake St. Clair and some of the divers, I want to get your thoughts on and get your perspective on habitat conditions for dabblers in some of those inland areas. Did I, did I recall you sort of referencing dry conditions early on? And if so, 
at what point did that region start to see improved habitat conditions there in some of the more inland wetland uh, areas? Well, you know, what's interesting. We've been relatively for a couple of years, you know, moderate oats. I, I try to keep track of how it's rated. Usually we've been pretty much moderate. Um, and we get rain occasionally and they'll kind of recharge just a little bit. But as you know, once you moisten those things up, they pretty much turn into a big sponge. Um, we'd get a little rain, you know, maybe get a half or an inch of rain and, and you'd see water here and there and get all excited. And three days later, it'd be, you know, mud. So it wasn't really very good throughout the season in terms of water conditions. We had one event that kind of recharged a few things. Uh, but the, the rain we got last week did it, did it, there, there's a lot of water here now, but I suspect a lot of it is standing because of the ground was frozen. So the water didn't really get sucked up into the, the ground. Um, overall, there's a lot of wetlands out there that if we do get some substantial rains this spring are really going to have a huge uh, flush of, you know, moist soil vegetation, which is a good thing. Of course, I think a lot of people, when they see dried mud, you know, desiccated marshes, they think, Oh, you know, it's, it's gone. But as we all know, you know, having dry periods is, is, is really important for them to, you know, you know, stay productive. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping this year we can get caught up on that water deficit and uh, have some really nice marshes because this area, we, we, you know, we obviously don't have nearly enough wetlands, but we have enough here that are really pristine that, um, you know, when they do uh, have water, they're very productive, uh, you know, for not only breeding ducks, but, you know, of course, in the fall when we're hunting. So, yeah, Jay, you know, one other consistent thing that I kind of took away from all of your reports throughout the season was that it seemed that, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, even parts of Ohio, Canada goose hunting was good. And there were a lot of opportunities out there. And I know even you, uh, talking to you personally, you know, you had some some pretty good Canada goose hunts and we're holding large numbers of, of geese there in, uh, in Northwest Indiana. Kind of talk about that and just kind of explain that transition of how, um, how those things showed up on the scene, you know, throughout the season. It was interesting about Canada geese is as you know they just migrate they're they're they really do migrate pretty consistently so like in september early september late august we start seeing some molt, molt migrants return and they usually bring along plenty of the interior race birds you know that aren't locals here quote unquote and so early on we'll have you know a few different races of, of canada's running around which is always fun um and they just keep building and we were really lucky canada geese are pretty content hanging around regardless of weather um and they don't need a ton of water so we just uh had great numbers of birds throughout the season and that could be set for a huge chunk of real estate around the upper you know around the great lakes and uh you know part of the midwest hunting became extremely difficult and part of that is the same birds were kind of doing the same thing but what i noticed is and it might be because the duck hunting was was kind of you know not nearly as productive as we're used to and you know for two or three weeks at a time some guys were starting to goose hunt more, and so pressure increased. And I'm noticing birds are, they became extremely smart. Uh, here in the last week, just at the end of the season, we were hunting Canada's that reminded me more of snow geese. Hmm. I mean, they didn't want to finish. They didn't want to come to little spreads, big spreads, full body spreads, you name it, man. I mean, exit is no X traffic. They just, so, you know, we had to start playing dirty tricks on them and it worked. But the one thing that correlates that with that even more to me is the fact that we're holding so many white fronted geese up here mm -hmm. now. I know you have a lot of experience with those down there. You know, most of your Indiana waterfowl hunters up here, we're really learning the ropes quick. We're like in the fast track version of learning how to hunt those things. And the Canada geese seem to act more and more like them every week. 
and which is to say they're kind of scatterbrained and irritating to hunt. So that that was interesting. I mean, for the last five or six times I hunted over the last two weeks, there wasn't a hunt where we didn't have, we we didn't end up with at least one, you know, speck, um, and oftentimes more mixed, you know, with our with our candidates. So that was cool too. Uh, you know, you go an hour east of here. Uh, they would I had guys text me some of the DU guys over there that you know or run some of the other chapters over there would you know, what do we do? We've got specs over here. You know, I'm finding these. What's your advice here? And I'm like, look, man, I'm just learning too. I'll give you what I think, but you're welcome to call me back and tell you what worked for you. But, but yeah, I think the goose thing is really something that a lot of guys, if they don't fall back on that, when the going gets rough with ducks, they need to learn because really the opportunities are there. They're mm -hmm. everywhere, you know? So, um, I, of course I'm an equal opportunity waterfowl hunter, so <laughs> I really don't care if I'm in a layout boat, a layout blind, or sitting in a blind hunting mallard. So, you know, I'm good to go no matter what. Jay, I have a final question for you. And it actually takes us back to that ice, ice cover issue on the Great Lakes. I was surprised whenever I pulled those graphs on ice cover on, 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 on each of the Great Lakes, and especially Lake Erie, the shallowest of the Great Lakes, and saw that the ice cover was really, really low. It spiked up after... Uh, I guess a a cold event. Maybe I don't know if it was the December freeze, the the freeze there around Christmas, but it spiked up. But then it dropped back down. And I guess just overall, I mean, that, yeah, it was sort of average temperature wise when you sort of do the math across the entire region for the entire month or, or winter. Uh, and I know January was warm, but help me understand like what it takes cold weather. But how strong of an effect does the wind have on preventing the lake from freezing? And is that is that was that as big of an issue this year as as let's say the lack of cold temperatures or for extended cold temperatures? How did all that play out this year? So that's a really that's a great question, Mike. And you know, if, if you let's just use Lake Michigan for an example here, it's it's oriented north and north south, and so when you get a northwest or a westerly or a northwest flow the waves build. And so as they come down the lake, they get bigger and bigger. And we were getting some huge wave events down here. We're talking 15, 18. I think there was one day we had a couple that were pushing 20 right up the road here. Um, that's, I say, ice isn't forming on that bottom line, obviously. So that did, the wind had a huge impact. Um, and that would be the case for any of the big bodies of water around the Great Lakes. Uh, you do build some pack ice along the shoreline and, you know, some big piles of, of ice and stuff. But for the most part, you're not getting any ice cover. And you mentioned that big freeze up in December. And that did, that was when ice started to build just a little bit. But remember, the surface water on Lake Michigan is much warmer. And so when you blow that warm water and smash it all up on one end of the, any lake, uh, that, that, that end of the lake is going to maintain, you know, little bit of surface warmth in the water and so it won't form ice whereas the, the obviously the the upper side of the lake obviously will because it's pulling some of that cooler water up but the bottom line is uh the water temps have been warm the river when i was guiding for steelhead in november and december the water temps were on average i'd say three to five degrees warmer in the rivers those rivers dump into the lakes and that keeps the surface temp up of course too so yeah there was just a combination of things and i think wind was probably one of the the primary factors that ice really didn't start to form much, you know. But the bottom line is, even if we do have ice, a lot of times it's just the shore, sort of like maybe a half mile to a mile. And then out in the middle, there's going to be open water and there's always going to be ducks. You know, it's no different than anywhere else. They'll find a, a, an area open, 
in say, you know, 50 to 100 feet of water. And depending on what species you're talking about, they can maintain themselves there. You know, they can live and, and survive by diving to the bottom and foraging for, for, you know, mollusks and invertebrates. So it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Jay. It's always good to educate us Southerners on how uh, <laughs> ice forms or doesn't <laughs> form on those big lakes. You know, it gets gets cold. You get down to zero degrees and you think, oh, boy, that ice has got to be forming up there. And uh, maybe it does in some places, but it takes a lot to really freeze it thick in some of those other big bodies of water. So, appreciate that, Jay. I, I should just add real quick, Lake Erie, back to those marshes, those marshes do freeze because they don't get a lot of wave action. So over there, when those when those marshes freeze, that's huge for everybody south and, you know, a huge cone of influence, if you will, from western marshes of Lake Erie. And they did freeze there at the one time, the one time, as I recall, pretty substantially. And all of a sudden, a lot of birds did make that big jump down south. So uh, that did occur. You know, Lake Michigan, you don't have a whole lot of marshes. Um, it's kind of a different, you know, type of water or body of water. So, um, but yeah, that did occur on, uh, but 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 then it reversed. It thawed pretty quick too. So, hey Jay, before I get you out of here, and typically I always like to ask you this question uh, as the last question, but I know you're guiding steelhead up there. How's the fishing? You know, it's been really good. It was probably one of the better winters I've ever had. I think I'm, and, I, and you guys got tired of me harassing them. Come on, let's go. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's really picking up now. I was out yesterday and and witnessed, you know, probably one of the few times I've seen pretty heavy spawning activity in February, which again, back to the air temp, I mean, it's in the 50s. So water temp gets up over 41, 42, and the party starts. So it's, uh, I got to squeeze some snow goose runs down south, you know, here as fast as possible, because I have a feeling I'm going to be rowing a drift boat a lot in the next month and a half. So Awesome. Well, get after them, man, especially those snow geese. I think I have an idea of where you're going, but I won't share your secret. <laughs> Jay, this has been great. appreciate you joining us. And as we kind of move into the spring and summer, uh, we may have you come back on just to provide a little habitat update for some of those areas up there in the Great Lakes. I think that it really provides a good picture and, and, and you know, it's just a, a, such a, a waterfowling rich area that I think it's important to have you on just talking about that area. Well, I'd love to come back on. It's been a real, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun talking to you guys about this stuff. It's right, right up my alley. Perfect. And Jay, it was great to finally get on the, get on a call with you and, and chat about ducks and habitat a little bit. I enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks guys. I'd like to thank our guest, Jay Anglin, for coming on the show and, and talking about the Great Lakes region, a little habitat, a little hunting update, um, even taught us Southerners down here, well, Mike's the Southerner, <laughs> how ice forms on the Great Lakes. These uh, get cold. I'd like to thank my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier, for joining us today. I'd like to thank Chris Isaac for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. And your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. 
Learn more at ProPlantSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 